Welcome to this week's album, The Podcast. On today's episode, I'll be joined by my good friend Jake as we chat about Life, Love, Flesh, Blood by Imelda May. Hi, Jake. Hey, Greg, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for coming back on. Oh, I'm always happy to be here. So, you know why you're here. You're here because you made a comment that just did well me. <laughs> yeah, I, I made a comment that uh, uh, I feel through the future of our friendship, you may never let me live down. <laughs> <laughs> well... It's the type of thing that I don't know if you can even be saying it these days, Jake, but um, you, you said you you basically don't like Irish female singers. All right. Now, to be fair, <laughs> I've not been exposed to a lot. You, in America, we don't get a lot of Irish female singers. We get Sinead O'Connor, who, beautiful voice, never cared for a lot of her music. Foggy Dew's a gem, but that's not hers. Um, but with Imelda May, you shocked me. Like this was a very good album. Good, good, good. So that that's pretty much what we wanted to do. We wanted to change our opinion. And John picked this album. Um, <laughs> that that guy, he he um, he's on a roll. He got the hat trick now. So of all the albums that we pick each week, he's three out of three so far. Wow, that's uh, that's shocking. He really does have good taste in music. Does he, or does he just have commercial taste in music? I mean, knowing him, it's commercial taste in music. I, I love, love you, John Boy, but it, knowing him, it's commercial taste in music. <laughs> and um, and speaking of uh, other members of the the club or the group, so Piggy, Piggy was supposed to be here tonight. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all know Piggy. Uh, Piggy's body sometimes hates him. <laughs> and um, Piggy texted me, texted us yesterday. Well, mm-hmm. listen to? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was I supposed to do again, guys? Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, screw it. Jake, Jake will take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Now, to be fair, we, we did want you back, but we were hoping to have you back with him as well so that yeah. we could get two different perspectives on it. But look, well, not, to, not to sound like I'm not happy to have you here, Jake. <laughs> just want to uh, hate on Piggy for a second. That's all. Uh, we'll have another chance, and and you should just plan when the three of us do it for the first time. You're well aware it's going to probably be an hour long episode, yeah, so I know. I know. just be ready. <laughs> so come here, you tell me, tell me your thoughts on the album, right? You said it shocked you, so tell me, tell me more. I went into it blind, and um, I listened to it three times. Usually, these last couple of albums, I've only listened to once and then went through and cherry-picked songs I wanted to re-listen to. This one, full listen three times. Um, first time in the car with my wife, driving around the countryside aimlessly, like we do sometimes, and she put it on for us. And I, the first comment out of my mouth was, this almost sounds like an American country singer, not the twang but that feel like mm-hmm. the story she's telling and the depth of what's there. I I'm kind of sad piggy's not here because he made a comment about the prior album and how it was too much music, not enough lyrics. And this is all lyrics. And she's literally telling a story the whole time. Oh yeah. Does it's the team. All beautiful. right. It is beautiful. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into why this album sounds different from her prior ones. I'm sure you and I have both done our reading. Very interesting story. Um, but one thing I would like to say is that 
there's a point in this album where I, I had to look at my TV and the last time and make sure I hadn't started playing a Bond movie because oh song, sorry, songs sorry like... Sorry for interrupting you, but yeah, no, completely, fine. completely going to say the same thing I was myself. Thank you. Songs like Levitate, where she sounds so smoky and such... She's got that crooner voice, very bluesy and jazzy, seductive almost. It's like... I almost thought we were watching a Bond movie. <laughs> like it was beautiful, beautiful. Hundred percent. Like as soon as that song was on, not like I'd say ten seconds into that song, straight away my mind just went, "This could easily be a Bond team song." Team song. Yep. And so much so that I started to wonder. Then I was like, I "Was like I wonder was this song hoping to be a Bond song?" Because the other way, every time they have a new Bond film, people compete for the song. Oh yeah. Well, that's what I think might have happened with that. Hmm. I'll have to do uh, some research afterwards. That's an interesting idea. That's my theory, anyways. But sorry for interrupting you, but carry on. No, you're fine. Um, no, before I listened to it, I did a little reading, which I'm sure you did too, because I know you you love to research things. Well, um, actually, Jake, just, you, you're an idiot, Jake. You're wrong. No, no. I think like this is the only time this week I didn't do some reading before I listened to it. Really. Um, yeah, because I, I'm already a fan of Imelda May. I've purchased all her other albums, except for this one. <laughs> um, and so it was one of those things that I was never keen to listen to this album because of the fact that it was a change in style from her other albums. I mm-hmm. loved her other style. So I just didn't really want to go there. Um, right. So I, I'm kicking myself for not listening to this album a long time ago. It's a fantastic album. Well, and I was going to bounce that question off of you was how do you feel about this compared to her rockabilly style, which, you know, for our listeners who don't know, she was a rockabilly queen in in Europe. Like she was the Wanda up and coming Wanda Jackson, who is the queen of rockabilly music. And a divorce just set her off and just derail. It didn't derail anything. It changed her style to this bluesy, jazzy style that is just so beautiful and I, I like you i wish i'd have found this sooner like mm. so like to, to touch on that right so she she kind of um blew up over here with a rockabilly style like you said and um, that kind of happened when she appeared on the jules holland show are you familiar with that show i'm not it's i don't know if this comparison is a good comparison but <laughs> For me, I've always compared it to um, that TV show, Austin Nights or whatever it's called. Austin. Austin. Oh, Austin City Limits, where they used to bring on like uh, B-list acts to try and make them famous. Kind of, yeah. And one of the reasons why Jules Holland is so good is because in one episode, he might have, um, I don't know, he might have the Foo Fighters. And then the minute the Foo Fighters are finished singing a song, it will cut to a native Zimbabwean band who are like playing <laughs> music, not in English, you know. And then wow. that song will end, and then it will cut to an indie up and coming act, you know. So it's yeah. just it will go from absolute A listers to people that you've never heard of in your life, and that's one of the reasons why that show is so popular over here. Wow! Well, and she was on that show. Yeah, and that's pretty much how she blew up over here. Makes sense. And, I'm, and so much so that to the to the extent that Jules Holland 
basically loves Imelda May now. He became a, one of her biggest fans very early on. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed it in this album that Jill's Holland features in this album as well. Yeah, I saw that. I did. I also saw Jeff Beck's in this album, which kind of made me excited. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Do you know who produced this album, though? I do. And the reason why I know who produced this album right, is because I'll, I'll talk a bit. bit. I'll, the, my answer to that, I'll, I'll have to back it up with my thoughts on the album before finding that out, okay? Okay. So I went into this album, obviously, knowing it was different to a rockabilly album. And kind mm-hmm. of not wanting, like, I this was the one album I didn't want to win this week. <laughs> um, and towards the end of the album, I was like thinking to myself, why on earth does this tick so many boxes for me, considering it's so different to other albums? And I just couldn't figure it out until today. Um, so I've listened to this album about five times, right? Um, I actually think the structure of the album, the way it sounds production wise is almost perfect bar one song um one song what's it called the girl i used to be oh really that's I your think, song that's out of place i had one song out of place too yeah the girl that i used to be to me it sounds to me like they just wanted to throw that song into one of her albums and they mm-hmm. said right let's throw it into this album even though it just doesn't fit with the rest of the album for me what's your song uh leave me lonely and outside of the message of the that song, which is very clear, uh, you, because while she was writing this, she had a divorce. She fell in love again while she was still working on it. She had a horrible breakup again during it. And Leave Me Lonely was one of the last songs she did. Mm. And the message fits. But the music just the music feels like it's one of her older songs. And it got jammed into this album. Like, we need to put some old Imelda May on there and no one's going to buy it. Um, it's a good song. It really is a good song. It's ju- That just feels so out of place to me. I hear you. And I'd say, like like you said there, the, the message of the song fits with the rest of the, the messages. Of, like, the, let's be honest. 90, 90% of that album is just a breakup album. You know? Oh, God. <laughs> yep. It, it is sad. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She, <clears throat> she makes you feel it, especially in like songs like "Black Tears." Like, oh, oh my lord, <laughs> what a voice in that song! Mm-hmm. Like that. I think that was the second song, was it, or was that the second or third? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, just to, yeah, just her voice. Like, like, I was like you said earlier. I was kind of curious to hear what people think because he was all about the lyrics, right? Where mm-hmm. for me she could be singing about a pack of the crisps but if she sings like that i would just be like oh yes this is beautiful you know amen so it's just like and that song black tears just kind of summed up for me like that like just the way she sings and that i don't care what she sings about just keep singing like that you know yeah yeah exactly exactly but we were talking about the producer and yeah. i want to i want to come back to it cuz I can tie that producer into last into the prior week's album, so I want to see what you have to say about the producer. Okay. Right. So the reason why I was quite interested when I found out about the producer is because, like I said, I was kind of trying to figure out why am I enjoying this album so much, considering it's a breakup album. Like a breakup album is the last album I thought I would enjoy. Um. So I was just doing research on it today, and then I I obviously seen it was T Bone Burn Burnett. 
T-Bone Burnett, yep. And I had no idea who he was. I was like, okay, he was T-Bone Burnett. So I looked him up. And by the way, before looking him up, I was actually, like, or should I say, while I was Googling it, I was writing down notes, right? <laughs> and I was like, on the song, How Bad Can a Good Girl Be? Yeah. And I was like, oh, let me replay that intro. So I replayed the intro to that song. And this is, while I was about to Google T-Bone Burnett, Burnett I was like, this song could easily be a true detective song. Yep. And then as I Googled T-Bone Burnett, 10 seconds later, it came up true detective. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, mm-hmm. what are the chances? So that then kind of got me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. And I seen that he also produced or and wrote some of this. Well, produced the score and some other soundtracks for other stuff like Our Brother Warte and Inside Lewin Davis or Lewin Davis, whichever two Coen Brother films that I absolutely love. Um, so like I, I love those movies purely because of their soundtrack. Um, and I also love the True Detective soundtrack. So that completely makes sense now as to why I also enjoy this album so much because it definitely has True Detective vibes in the whole album. Oh yeah. Yeah. T-Bone Burnett is a jewel. He He's an unsung hero of the 70s music world up until the modern era. He originally if you didn't know was one of bob dylan's band's guitarists in the 70s um however to tie it into last week if you didn't know after Dwayne allman died from the allman brothers the guitarist who piggy didn't care for his guitaring so much um he revitalized the career of Dwayne's brother greg so he single-handedly brought Greg Allman back into the spotlight after the Allman brothers, who we listened to the prior week at live at Fulmore East kind of dissolved after their guitarist died. He also started the career of the counting crows. If you know who they are, of course. Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of neat. Like he's got his hand in everything. And when you know that or true detective, even it makes a lot of sense that he produced this album. Hundred percent, and like you said, there actually, like they, they, that's three completely different artists that you wouldn't expect it to have a, a link to each other. Right. Yep. Exactly. That's mental. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we can just play Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like Six Degrees of T Bone Burnett. <laughs> we might be able to. I swear, one day we will get a YouTube comment, and when we do, it's going to be somebody playing Six Degrees of T Bone Burnett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm actually now fascinated to see how many albums we pick. Bring back to him. That'll be an interesting thing to look into yeah. down the line. Yeah, I mean, because he is all over Robert Plant, Roy Orbison, like, oh brother, Roy. oh 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 oh, stop stop talking right there, just in case we, so that you don't persuade us not to listen to that. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at me. Let me put my phone on mute. Apologies. No, you're good. You you yelled at me last night for oh, trying to get into a conversation with you and almost spoiling our podcast because <laughs> it doesn't feel fresh if I sit there and talk to you about it the night before. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like it's I've noticed it with, with Piggy when we've done previous podcast episodes. We we say right, let's do a rehearsal one, and we always just put the rehearsal one live straight away because it's. Just more natural than the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, blessing and a curse. Uh, I guess 
he's there and I'm not. So, you know, we get this freshness without having to see each other. But again, I'm not there. Kind of sucks. So, so we both like the album, right? Yeah. What did you not like on the album? What did I not like? Other than Leave Me Lonely, which, again, I just kind of felt. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong. I've never listened to any other Imelda May. Does Leave Me Lonely sound like old Imelda May? I don't know. And the reason why I'm saying that is because when you mentioned this earlier, I was like, oh, I didn't cop that. So because I didn't cop it, okay. I'm going to assume the answer is no. Um, one of the things I liked is one of the things I also didn't like, which is kind of weird to say with music, but you know, music is just subjective like that. It's, it's that she has that rockabilly feel. It comes in in a couple songs, but then it just dies away. And sometimes the placement of where those songs come in the album doesn't feel right. Um, It just feels like it's been thrown in there either because she's angry, which makes sense. (laughs) She can be angry. Or because, and I think it's more likely, they felt like they had to throw some quote-unquote old Imelda May in there. And that's one of the things I didn't like about this. Um, let me ask you a question. Well, before you do, I, okay. I think just maybe, maybe just for um, clarity for people who are listening, if they're not familiar with Imelda May, one of the reasons we, we talk so much about the breakup, apart from the fact that 90% of it is a breakup album, um, but also because her husband was was the guitarist in her band so yeah she's referred to him as her muse like he gave her the inspiration to write the music she wrote exactly so that's why this album it's it's not only why this album is so different but like the fact that he left the band and the fact that she was clearly heartbroken is bound to have an effect on the way this album came up being different right yep Yep. Uh, go ahead with your question, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Um, so it's a very simple question for you. However, as someone who has heard the old Amelda May, and this is a bit of a change for you, as you had said, what was your favorite thing about this album? Hearing her sing proper like oh sorry, it's not that she doesn't sing properly in the past. It, it, it like like hearing her sing notes that I wouldn't have heard her sing in previous albums, where I like I said I wouldn't go for a breakup album normally. So listening to her made me appreciate her a lot more, even though I already enjoyed her music before now. Right, her range. So yeah, I've just got a whole new appreciation for her now. Yeah, she is a beautiful voice. If I if I never know what her rockabilly albums sound like, I won't be that upset. Like if she only ever puts out straight, you know, vocally taxing, beautifully sung albums like this, I will not complain. Um, her voice is absolutely beautiful. I have the word haunting written down, which I've used both times I've been on this podcast, but it, both times I've had a song where I've heard some haunting notes in the background. And at times her voice, the sadness that comes out, you just, you feel it like, yeah. and very few musicians be they, you know, we talked about Bob Dylan earlier, be it Bob Dylan all the way to whoever you want to talk about. Very few of them can invoke that you feel what they feel. And she really can do that with her voice. Mm. And and one of the things that I loved about all the Melda May albums was they were 
for me, they were great albums to listen to. With you know, at, a, at like with your family having drinks and stuff like that, as well as as well as on your own. And this album, I. I don't. I can't see myself putting this album on while I'm having drinks with my family. However, I would like. I've listened to this album five times, and that was out of choice because this week it wasn't a case that I was like, "Oh, let me listen to the album again to get ready for the podcast." It was like that album's so good, I want to hear that again. Right? Yeah. And no, I could. <laughs> I could not imagine sitting there on uh, family drinking nights on Friday and listening to this with your family while your dad sat there and handed out drinks. Um, <laughs> this would be a very awkward album to listen to during that. Um, at least from my experiences. Um, I, you know, I wrote one very odd sentence down here that I circled on my notes and it just says, and this is kind of a, it encapsulates how I kind of feel about this album is it sounds sad, but it really does give you hope when you listen to it, like the hope that there's a, there's something at the end, hope that there's something that's going to come after, you know, that there's a better day in the future. Um, then again, it's also, it's also depressing as hell because it's a break, a breakup album. <laughs> and and to, to touch on that, right. So what gave you that feeling? Was it a certain lyric or a certain song or just something else? I think it's something you're not going to love for two reasons. <laughs> One, um, it's the song that you didn't love. It's the very last song on the album. Um, the, oh, Lord, now I'm blanking on the uh, the name of the song. The Girl I Used to Be. Yeah. Um, so. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go on. No. It's that song. For And the second reason is because I'm going to hearken back to things I said in the previous podcast that you asked me about was my emotions towards Ireland and please can we do this with a a non-Irish album so I don't have to talk about this Um, but that sounds the most to me like Irish music that sounds the most to me like she's an Irish singer Uh, you could hear her accent where I feel like in other songs you couldn't and that right there step one gave me hope that dear lord that COVID will be gone and I can buy some plane tickets soon but it also just kind of felt like it pushed forward the emotions a little more it pushed back the sad kind of pushed you forward into thinking you know she's got this this hope for her future which kind of made you have a hope for your future like she's saying like this girl that I used to be is is I can't be this girl anymore like I can't be that person. I have to be someone better and I got to move forward and there's a brighter future ahead of me. Yeah. I think I, like, I think you hit the nail on the head there and it wasn't something I thought about because I just focused so much on the fact that the album was such a breakup song, mm-hmm. a breakup album, but then clearly the last song is the only, from my perspective was the only song that wasn't really a breakup song anymore. And I guess that was kind of what she was trying to do. Probably is just, Say right, we got that out of my my system. Now let's move on from that. Yeah, let's let's look forward to a brighter day. Mm, maybe, maybe that's what <laughs> she was doing there. Who knows? It's like you and Piggy said on the very first album, buddy. None of us are experts. We're just people who enjoy listening to music and talking about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. So then, 
that's that's pretty cool. I'm I'm now curious. You which song did you say was your favorite song? Bad Habit, probably. Yeah, that was. Oh, uh, I, I have Human written down too. Human might be one of my favorite songs because of how I feel lately in my own personal life, where it's I, I, I'm worn down like anybody. You know, I'm only human, and that runs through my head a lot, and that spoke to me. But Bad Habit's probably the best song in the album, I think. I I was like you there. I had Human as my second favorite song, or well, it was tied between that and Black Tears. Black Tears I love just because of it just shows off her vocals. Mm-hmm. Where Human, like you said there, was I enjoy the the lyric the the meaning of that one. Um, however, my favorite song was actually should have been You. Um, I I I like that one just because it was kind of upbeat, and I just actually like the sound of it. Like nothing about the lyrics or the meaning or like that. It just sounded good. Cool. Yeah, it really does. the The music video is is fantastic too. Um, oh, oh yeah. Didn't watch any of the videos. Yeah, you can get it on YouTube. Um, you can listen to the whole album, all eleven songs, and the first three have music videos as a little treat, and uh, they're all they're all really nice. Like. Uh, so I, I, I guess talking about 11 songs, let me ask you something. What album did you listen to? Because there's like five releases of this album that have different amounts of songs on it. Yeah, and it was one thing that became clear to me a minute ago when you mentioned and um, The Girl Used to Be being the last song because it wasn't the last song for me on the version that I listened to. Love and Fear was, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yep, you listened to four more songs than I did, and I didn't realize it until too late. <laughs> which uh to be fair we we never really kind of um clarified that last week anyways or on facebook either well future we, we learn for the future right um so my question at the end of the day sorry go no on. go ahead no i was just saying at the end of the day it, i guess it doesn't really matter we spoke and still talk about the same thing yep yeah we did um so hmv.com is is this something you okay you know about it Okay, now give give the listeners a quick rundown. What is, the non-European listeners? What is HMV.com? Oh, well, it was basically just Europe or the UK and Ireland's version of Tower Records. So it was just a music store for years, and um, it's no longer in the Republic of Ireland, so it's now only in the UK. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's just a music store. Okay, HMV by the way stands for His Master's Voice. Oh Lord, um, <laughs> well, I guess exactly, um. Did you see that there well, was an HMV exclusive a... album? No, I didn't see that. Yeah. It was the deluxe edition that you listened to and then had two more songs on it that were covers on Hurry Playing the Ukulele. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, if you want to. Did you listen? I couldn't find them. And I think it's because I'm in America. I think some of that stuff's limited for me. Um, it's the song It Must Be Love by. Oh God! Where's whoever sings that? Labby Sifri, Lucifer. I don't know. Damn American pronunciation. And then all I want is you by obviously your favorite band ever, U two. Um, <laughs> but no, I couldn't find them. Maybe you can, and if you can, you can, you know, throw a little update in the next podcast so people know what you think about the ukuleles. So, mm. yeah, something to look into. Mm-hmm. Although. I'm assuming if it's a HMV exclusive, then it's obviously restricted to the CD. Um, and I don't really buy CDs much these days. Yeah, neither do I. I uh, 
I stopped doing that about 14 years ago. <laughs> yeah, the minute you got a car. <laughs> yeah, that didn't have a CD player. <laughs> oh, actually, sorry, that's sorry, that's what I was getting mixed up with. Um, I started buying CDs again about two years ago when I did get a car, <laughs> and now I don't have a car anymore, so I stopped buying CDs. Oh, yeah, no, that's fair. No, when I got a car, I had a uh, cassette player, and that made sense, so I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, come here. So that was a good album. I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you said you wouldn't be disappointed if you never listened to her other stuff, but just because of the fact that you like how it sounds, mm-hmm. not a bad compliment or not a negative, should I say? Right. But you think you will listen to her other stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, I will. Um, you know, and when we get off of here, I'm sure we'll keep talking. Um, and you can give me some recommendations or on here, so the listeners can check some of her other stuff out too. It, I doubt you have an album off the top of your head of hers that you liked, but you know, yeah, I definitely will try to go find, uh, you know, maybe her most loved album and give it a listen to. I have a head like a sieve, so I forget things very quickly. I'm just lucky um, you remember my name. <laughs> um, like I said earlier, I, I have purchased all her other albums, but um, I purchased them on iTunes actually. Um, and I was only looking at the albums there during the week, and I can't remember the names of the albums. Um, no, can't remember the name of any of the albums. Yeah, that's life. Now, one of one of our famous songs was Johnny Got a Boom Boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll look that up when we're done here. Yeah, that's a famous one. Um, cool. Right. Um, so, let me see where to go from here. Oh, yeah. So, it's just actually one thing I was kind of thinking about in previous episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is kind of something I want to start asking going forward is, what, how did you, or what did you feel about the structure of the album? Do you think there was, obviously, T-Bone Burnett produced it, right? And it was a breakup album. But do you feel that there was more to it than just being a breakup album? Yeah, sure. I mean, <clears throat> it was cathartic for her. Maybe not for us, there wasn't more to it, but to her, there was. And for a musician like Amelda May, who is still in the very early spring of her career, where she's got a lot of years left, it's important to get this out and put this album out and, you know, don't dwell on these emotions. Um, put them in an album, put that album out, and then get back to doing whatever you want to do that makes you happy. Um, how do I feel about the structure of the album though? It's a different question. Mm. I was always taught as somebody who did study music that a good album should always be like a book. It starts out, it peaks up into, you know, the, the best songs are always in the middle and then it, it brings you down at the end. Now, I also, as you know, was raised on a lot of 60s and 70s music where this was kind of the rule of thumb for any album, probably because by the end they were all very stoned or drunk. But I think nowadays it still kind of rings true where a good album will have this sense of flow, like it's telling a story. Hers feels choppy, which might be one of the only bad things I say about this album. It, it feels very choppy. You get three songs in and then all of a sudden it's just like some completely different thing. It's not a bad song, but it just doesn't fit the flow of the album. 
And come here, and that's that's pretty much why I want to kind of discuss the structure of albums with these podcast episodes because I'm a strong believer that um albums still have a place in this world rather than Spotify playlists, you know? Yep. And Art Piggy, for example, he was saying that ninety percent of the albums he listens to, he just listens to them on shuffle. And I just couldn't get my head around why someone would listen to an album and shuffle. For for me, like there's a structure in place for a reason on an album, you know? Yep. And that's one of the things I want to talk about during this podcast in general. So I'm glad to hear what you said there because like, like you said earlier, I'm not a music expert. I don't know anything in that terms of um, lessons-wise or whatever. So... It was nice to hear your perspective on that there. All right. And, and for our listeners, I am, I'm Greg knows my history. I'm far from an expert. I am well-versed. I was a music major in college, but I don't do music anymore. I'm a mathematician by trade. Um, So very different math and music, you know, someday maybe we'll talk about it, how they fit together. It's also very interesting, but, but, but Piggy's a madman and, you and I know that, and the listeners will learn that <laughs> listening to an album on shuffle and not thinking there's anything wrong with that is just insane. <laughs> exactly. So hopefully we can kind of encourage people to start listening to albums the way you should be listened to. <laughs> it's a story. It's supposed to be a story. These these musicians put this out there to tell you something and to convey a message that they really want to tell you. Um and you should listen to it how they meant for you to listen it to it, at least the first time. Piggy, well, he won't listen. <laughs> no, but you're, I, I think that's, that's you've hit the nail on the head there. And, and that's the perfect place to finish, I think, Jake. <laughs> well, can I ask you something? Sure. What's next week's theme? We haven't decided that one yet. All right. Well, what we're going to do is once this episode, once we just say, um, chat is over mm-hmm. i'm gonna publish this podcast without any editing as usual and then just put a poll up on facebook tomorrow or at least put a vote up or whatever mm-hmm. um once we've had a chat in the whatsapp and go just wing it i i like it week. all right people watch this week's albums podcast on facebook vote in the poll let us know what you want to hear cheers jake all right buddy i'll talk to you soon